Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, just a real quick one before we begin the pod. <laughs> Forewarning, there's a moment where I forget the opening line of the American Constitution. If it's your first time tuning in, you're probably going to think at that point, why the heck am I listening to this? This guy has no idea what he's talking about, to which I don't particularly have an answer. That being said, I promise the rest of the podcast checks out. And if you do enjoy this podcast, one free way in which you can support it is by giving it a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to, you can get the Patreon-exclusive pod for just $1.50 a month. Let's get into it. And particularly like the Spider-Man film, it was just a great African-American character. Like there mm. was nothing political about it. It was just... Spanish. Yeah, true. African-American father and then... And what is she, Puerto Rican mm. mother? It's just a character you, you get behind. It's not about mm. the, like skin or anything else. It's just... It's just a great, well-written character. Mm. Didn't feel like you were being pushed anything, any ideas. It was just, yeah, really good. I really enjoyed it. Great film. But that wasn't always the case. (laughs) (laughs) And young, white, 20-year-old males like ourselves didn't always think this way. Today we're talking civil rights. Wow, that is is very (laughs) smooth. You're the new anchor now. I I resign. We are going to talk about the African-American civil rights movement today. I don't know how far we'll get through it. This might be a two-parter depending on, on where the conversation goes. We're going to kind of cover a century of history in about two minutes or so to begin with. So, Ben, you were saying okay. before you came here, you've been watching some stuff on the American Civil War. No, I haven't. Not recently. I just did a bit in year 11. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. What, do you, what do you remember about the American Civil War? We'll start there. Um, I remember the... Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. Um, the was the Gettysburg Address. Yep. Civil War as well. Yep. Sometimes the American Revolution sneaks into my my mind too <laughs> as I'm thinking about the Civil War. Um, three fifths. Three fifths. Yep. Um, I, I remember that. Yeah, a bit going on. Abe Lincoln, uh, key figure. What happened to him? Uh, got killed. Yes. Got shot in the in the the theater. Yes. A theatre not too dissimilar from Event Cinema's Miranda, where we saw, um, where we saw Spider-Man. Um, what was he watching? I don't know. Was it like Les Mis or <laughs> Fast and Furious? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who assassinated him? Was it a guy called John? Yes. John Milks Booth. That is correct. Mm. Now, when the sitting president dies, what's the succession plan? Vice president. Yes. And this is where it gets really interesting. So you've got Abe Lincoln from the Union, and then you have Andrew Johnson from the South. And the deal at the end, like the peace deal was Union gets president, South gets the Confederacy, gets the vice president. And so Andrew Johnson is the vice president when Abraham Lincoln gets killed. 
which means that now he steps up to be the president and you have someone who's from the South all of a sudden leading the United States after they've just finished the Civil War. One would assume that the assassination was by the people from the South. That was said in a very like Palpatine way. <laughs> what do you know that we don't, Jake? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the context, but well, think about it this yeah. way: like you've just you've got a sitting Makes president sense. who you've been fighting against for five years for a lot of Americans yep. who have now called an end. You've lost the you've lost the civil war, and he's now your leader. Yep. Like that's always just going to be a recipe for for assassination, really. Mm. So. Yeah. Johnson becomes the president and under Johnson, it's the era of reconstruction. So how does America build off the back of the civil war? And effectively you've got an awkward situation where people kind of morality aside, people were legal owners of people. They were, these slave owners in the South had done nothing illegal. If like, you know, if they treated their slaves within the laws, um, which obviously still permitted horrendous treatment, but they hadn't done anything illegal. And then the next day, the government comes in and says, you know, that asset that you sunk heaps of money in, that's now legal and you get no compensation for it. That's that's a recipe for a lot of angry slave owners mm. who up until then were just following the law. Though those laws, you know, were clearly very immoral, they were law-abiding citizens that were following it. And so Reconstruction is how can we rebuild the South and the North to firstly be on good terms, but secondly, um, how can we have a post-slavery society? And the short answer is that the conditions were pretty horrendous. They weren't technically slavery by legal standards, um, but we had all sorts of other pretty horrendous practices. Like one of the main ones was sharecropping, which was basically medieval peasantry. You get paid a share of the crop that your white farm owner produces and you work on the farm for him. Mm. And that's, you get, that's kind of your yearly payment. And so the conditions were far from good in the 1880s and the 1890s. America's going through reconstruction. We see the rise of the first wave of the KKK pop up at that era as well. We often think 60s when we think of the KKK, they were actually all the way back in the 19th century and they were kind of the biggest champions of a, of a tough reconstruction that was pretty, not very permissive of African-American rights. And then we have a very interesting case in 1892 called Plessy v. Ferguson essentially that court case goes to the Supreme court where a doctrine is as established. It's to do with uh, African-Americans and white people sitting on the same train um, and in the same carriage of the same train. There's this idea of separate, but equal. And that is kind of the legal grounds for segregation. The idea that you can have white facilities and colored facilities to use the language of the time, but those facilities are to be of equal standard. One is not to be better than the other. And so that is kind of the legal framework for segregation, which existed in both the North and the South, but primarily in the South that emerged after the kind of turn of the century from the 19th century to the 20th century. And so how could, you know, pubs that had a colored section and a white section, how could they be legal? Well, they could appeal to separate but equal on the basis of Plessy v. Ferguson. Interesting. Have you, like, if... Did you do legal studies? Uh, yes. Yeah. Not all the way through. Better uh, question. Have you watched Suits? Oh, yeah. I've seen Suits. Big time. So, precedent. So, yes, I did legal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, precedent is a law that's set by the court. You know, when, like, Mike Ross is, like, referring to old court cases. 
Oh yeah. Do you have president? <laughs> <laughs> so we continue to fast forward the story through the early 20th century. Not many human rights grounds are made in the first half of the 20th century. Primary reason for that is you've got World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two. Yeah. So they are all kind of huge issues that preoccupy the American people and the American government. And there's reasonably minimal ground made in the first half of the 20th century. But World War II does change things. And there's a number of reasons why it changes things. First thing, in the military, how were African-Americans treated? How would you guess? Like, are they even allowed in at this point? They are. They are? Okay. But surely not very well treated, particularly... You just think of the type of white men that would end up in militaries as well, potentially more uh, more, more vulgar um, characters. Yeah. With all due respect, that's not that's not the case in a lot of instances. My kind of understanding is that, um, like, I don't know, it was is there like actually a certain bond that forms by fighting together? Yes. Um, I know, like, I know that's the case for the like aboriginal people here mm. and what happened after the second world war with aboriginal people was like pretty horrendous and i know some of them were like uh, preferred it in the war even mm. though obviously it's war and it's in danger but they were actually mm. treated i don't know it equals the word but like there's a respect there mm. yeah yeah totally so there were basically executive orders that were sent firstly by roosevelt and then by harry truman which prohibited any form of discrimination in the military you cannot have separate eating quarters in the in the army. Mm, think of Forrest Gump and Bubba. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking of. Them. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> I've only seen Forrest Gump once. Oh, Viet, it's like Vietnam. That's a Vietnam that's War. Vietnam, yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But like, yeah, principle applies, yeah, and yeah. that's in the context of the civil rights movement when it's in its full, very true, full very pomp true. and ceremony. Yeah. So yeah, but basically, that's in. They're treated very well in comparison to kind of the home front. So uh, the American government wants African-Americans to enlist because it's just more manpower to fight in the war. But also they are treated significantly better. And studies have shown that if you want cross the the kind of the areas where cross-cultural integration is at its strongest is through religion or through the military. Common goal. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they're actually treated very well in comparison like obviously you can find a thousand isolated incidents of you know particular soldiers being racist or yeah but they're actually treated very well in comparison to the home front do you know where a lot of american soldiers were stationed particularly if they were fighting in the pacific pearl harbor that true someone in pearl harbor Vanuatu. close damn you're getting quite much closer you've solomon getting even closer still Madagascar. Melbourne. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, Melbourne. And Another island in the South Pacific. They were, every, like, they were everywhere, though. They are all around. Yes. But, yeah. but the area, if you're fighting in the Pacific, you would retreat and you'd have your rest in Melbourne mm-hmm. before being sent back out again. And in Melbourne, they s- saw the way that the Indigenous Australians were treated. And you might think, oh, so they saw a pretty horrendous example. Australia has plenty of issues with how we've treated Indigenous people before. But we've got to remember, we didn't have legalized segregation. There was no indigenous section at a pub. Yeah. There was no white section at a pub. 
Um, there are isolated incidents again. You go to like the sixties and you have Charlie Perkins going to like yeah. like the swimming pool in, in Walgett and stuff, or the oh, sorry, the RSL in Walgett and stuff like that. Yeah. They were going rogue. It wasn't legalized. They were breaking the law by having that segregation in place. Okay. And so the American soldiers, they go to Australia and they see that example and they're like, a lot of African Americans are like, this is significantly better than what it's like in America. Are there issues? Of course. And we'll do another podcast where we look at, you know, the indigenous issues that go on after world war two that you've alluded to before. Yeah. But by and large, it, it is significantly better than in the South of America. Okay. And so on the back of that, there's actually a pretty big tide coming home to America after world war two. And there's a lot of enthusiasm for, um, okay, we fought the Nazis. And again, this is another huge factor. Um, the difference between World War I and World War II was World War I wasn't a racial war. You weren't fighting against a racist enemy. You're fighting against German, like G- Imperial Germany. You weren't fighting against the Nazis who, won it, again, one of your rallying cries of fighting against the Nazis is you're stopping a genocide of, of Jewish people. And so they kind of, a lot of the mantra is, hold up, if we're fighting against racism effectively yeah what do we have like what's our system in the south and so world war ii is actually a huge unspoken catalyst mm-hmm. for big changes in america and huge civil rights changes that go on yeah uh, it makes it like very silly right that like put all these resources and everything into like obviously doing the right thing to fight for these people on the other side of the world but yet people in your home are still treated like very poorly yeah and even like even though you're saying there was a like a catalyst for change it still took like quite a long time post the war yes really, to have big effect and that was actually one of martin luther king's arguments with the vietnam war like yep. we're trying to fight we're fighting against people being liberalized or being liberated i should say from communism and yet again this is how we're treating not only African-Americans, but poor people in America too. Mm. And so, yeah, like it was like a lot of that hypocrisy stood out to a number of Americans. And so the fifties is where we start to see a number of kind of huge civil rights victories. And another court case here. Any guesses to what court case I might refer to? The fifties. Are you talking? I was, I tried to remember the name. I had to look it up. I'm thinking Emmett Till. Oh, that's an interesting one. He comes a little bit later. Yeah. I saw he, he was 1955. Yeah. Um, 54. Brown v. Board of Education. Does that ring any bells? Is this the Remember the Titans one? Look, I'm going to be honest, PY. We did reference Remember the Titans in the Patreon special, which you can sign up for for just $1.50. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the most tactful way to slip that one in there. Um, I can't actually remember the plot of Remember oh. the Titans at all. I just know, I just know it's, it's got football. Fantastic And it's movie. about restoring race relations and don't they go, through football. No, do it's they about go like, to Gettysburg or something like that when he gives the speech around like the... I remember it's Maybe, like, yeah. Yeah, it was some sort oh, of... I want to watch it. Um, <laughs> it's like... So obviously the schools were segregated. Yeah. And the school in Remember the Titans is the first school that brings in like uh, African-American and white students together. Oh, really? And then they obviously then form a football team and yeah. it's about like how they overcome those barriers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, well, that, it makes like that, that makes sense. So yeah, like separate, but equal was the legal foundation yeah. for 
for discrimination and for segregation effectively. And so what would happen is there was a requirement for these schools to be equal, but they weren't in practice. And you think about about it generationally, it's not just the racism factor. There's also the economic factor of white people can inherit their parents' estate. If you're a, if you're a white Southerner, your your ancestors were probably you know first generation farmers um, who grew cotton out in America. When they died, you get to inherit their farm. If you're an African American, you have no wealth that you can inherit because your parents and your grandparents or however far back you go were slaves. And so what would happen is that the white schools were really well resourced, yep. and the coloured schools were extremely under resourced. And that then made the wealth problem worse because the educational outcomes were so different. And you can kind of see how the cycle then spirals from there. Mm-hmm. So Oliver Brown goes to enlist. It's the name of the chocolate store. It is. Yeah. He goes to, and Charlie Brown is the name of, is that this Charlie from, from Chocolate Factory is Charlie Brown, right? Oh, Charlie Brown's a guy from Snoopy. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that pulls the ball out. He gets the ball pulled out from him when he goes to kick it. Is it? Charlie Brown. Uh, the guy with a little squiggle head? Yeah, yeah. The, like the squiggle doesn't his yellow happen until yeah. the 70s. Oh, it doesn't happen until the <laughs> 70s. But um, it's still the first school to um to have that. First school in a particular state, maybe? Yeah, I, I reckon. Because uh, we have, uh, Arkansas has a whole issue when they try and integrate a school called Little Rock High School. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. go yeah, I've heard of Little Rock. No, yeah. this one's in um, Virginia. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I could be could be the first in Virginia. But Oliver Brown, <laughs> no relation to Charlie Brown, yeah. <laughs> no relation to Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or yeah. the the well known chocolate store, or the, <laughs> yeah. the well known chocolate <laughs> store. No. Covered all bases there. Yeah. yeah. He goes to enlist his daughter. In a high school, mm-hmm. and uh, I, can't remember, I actually can't remember which state it was in. One of the southern states goes, no, she belongs in the college school down the road. She doesn't belong in the white school. He takes them to court for basically racial discrimination, which is a violation of the constitution, which again, constitution promises everyone, like first article. Can't All men are created equal. That's, I mean, that's the declaration of independence, I think. But, yeah. But I mean, I assume they... Was they got some ideas. Everyone has the right to what life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the wording of it. Yeah. My American listeners would be cringing, listening at us, trying to have a word of what they would know very well. Do you reckon you could name a line from our constitution? Yeah. Everyone has the freedom of religion. They'd word it some other way apart from that. It's one yep. of the few rights that is constitutionally oh, enshrined. True, yes. But anyway, yes, moving on. they effectively take take the state to the Supreme Court. Eventually what happens in the Supreme Court is there's a whole bunch of legalese that we won't go over, nor do I particularly understand all of it. But the main decision that they come to is that separate but equal is not constitutional. Mm. That's the key outcome of Brown v. Board of Education. So because that's not constitutional, they've effectively ended by saying Oliver Brown's child is allowed to go to a white school They've effectively not only ended segregation in schools, but have undone the legal framework for segregation. Because mm. Plessy v. Ferguson, separate but equal, that's now been overturned. Yeah. And so... It took them a long time, didn't it? 
Yeah. It's half a century before someone's taken it to court. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. And America's, America's argument was like, look, guys, we're pretty snowed under for about 50 years there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the use of the phrase snowed under. We love that one in the, uh, in the corporate world. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, we're snowed under right now. Yeah. <laughs> With war <laughs> <laughs> and a depression, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly, exactly right. So, Brownie Board of Education is in fifty four, fifty five. We have the murder of Emmett Till. Basically, Emmett Till is a northerner mm-hmm. who goes to visit his stay with his uncle in in Mississippi. The details are a little bit hazy as to what happened. What we do know was that he wolf whistled at. A, oh, do they know that to be true? So, they, yeah, the, his, yeah, there's, yeah. A doc, there's an interesting documentary that you can watch where his cousin has said he he, he whistled, um, but he didn't make any move on her or anything like that apart from yeah. that. Yeah, what, is it like he just went into her store? Yes. This white lady's store, Wolf Whistled. I didn't I didn't actually know that. That, um, yeah. That's an interesting added detail, but... But it doesn't, doesn't change anything, doesn't, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um because then her husband and his his mate or yeah. something. There. Uh, yeah, husband and brother-in-law, I think, was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Bryants. Um, yeah. To, to kidnap him and, and torture and lynch him. Yeah. yeah. And the kind of... The real big debacle was they, they clearly did it. Yeah. Like, that. it was so obvious they murdered. Um, but the court case wasn't really did they do it. It was, should you... Should you kind of convict someone for a lynching? That's the real issue that's going on with the Emmett Till. And Emmett Till's mother has an open casket funeral for Emmett Till when his body's badly mangled up. And the whole theory behind it is it's horrific to look at, but I want them to know what they did to my son. Mm. And so I know Dave, there's like a Dave Chappelle special where he talks about it. That's where a lot of people's literacy on the issue comes from. Right. Uh, but what does Dave Chappelle have to say about oh, it? Oh, that Emmett Till's mum was a boss. Um, right. Yeah, sure. Which, yeah, fair enough. Um, she, she kind of put herself through horrendous grief to try and show what was going on in the South. And so... So at this point, lynching is still debatably legal. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not like... It's, it's, it's not legal. Yeah. But it's kind of de facto legalized, so to speak. Because like, who... Oh, Kind of like the same way that you, like getting done for jaywalking. Oh, who would who would do someone for jaywalking? That's a bit excessive. In some particular villages in the south, that was the attitude towards lynching. Because you got to remember, for a murder trial, it's, it's a jury, and yeah. if everyone's attitude is that this is an attack on our way of life, and this is the liberal north <laughs> trying to change how we do things, there's going to be quite a severe counter reaction to it. Yeah. So Emmett Till. Um, in, in the court case, basically what happens is Carolyn Bryant's husband at the time, who she later has revealed was abusive. And it's like, it's like, well, yeah, of course we can believe that given he's murdered someone. He was found not guilty by the court. So not guilty for murder. And the really bad thing was in a later interview, I can't remember for which magazine it was. It was, you can look it up. One of the magazines He's paid something to the effect of two grand for the interview. And in the interview, he admits that he did it. And double jeopardy, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. If you found innocent, you are innocent. That's why they can't go after OJ. And so 
So it's like, it's just, it's so clearly a sham as to what's going on. Mm. And yeah, the Bryants are found, um, are found, found not guilty. And that's such a clear case of, and what this did is it might've preserved segregation at the time, but it has transformed the attitude of so many other people who are watching this trial on TV that I cannot, you might even be pro segregation, but you cannot believe that they've gotten away with murder. Yeah. Because there is a difference on the spectrum there. Mm. And a lot of people who are pro-segregation were shocked and were horrified that they were found not guilty for it. And that actually starts to turn the tide against segregation quite a lot in the 50s. 55 is also really important because at the end of the year, someone makes their debut in the game. Martin Luther King. Mm. I have a dream. Yes. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, he actually, he's big for about eight years before he makes the I Have a Dream speech. So Martin Luther King, you know what city he came from? Well, actually, I'll start with what state? Georgia. Close, very close. I don't know what's close to Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Is Georgia in the south? It's yeah, in the south, big so. time. Louisiana. Close. You're in the right ballpark. One of the Carolinas. I was going to say, no. Textbooks out. What's the most? Texas. Texas. Te- no, oh, sorry, one more. New Mexico. Arkansas. <laughs> You've said pretty much everyone but this one. <laughs> Albuquerque. Yeah, oh, you're getting New- so... No, that's in New Mexico. No, but like, oh. like name-wise, yeah. you're getting close. Okay. Arkansas and Albuquerque. Uh, Albuquerque is as close as you can get name wise. That's what I was thinking. Right? Um, well, it's got to start with A. It's got a it's got a banging <laughs> song named after it. It's got two bangers. Alabama, songs. Alabama, Alabama. <laughs> um, Alabama. So, yes, Did Montgomery, Alabama. For our American listeners, were just like physically hurting. To that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like the equivalent of someone trying to guess. Like Ingerdine. No, I mean Armadale. <laughs> we're so close. They're right next to each other. <laughs> So, yes. So, effectively, Martin Luther King, he comes onto the scene in Montgomery, Alabama. What else happens in Montgomery? It's famous for another big civil rights thing. Is that where the little... the, the red? Oh, the, is it Rosa no. Parks? Is Rosa it? Parks. Oh, the yeah. bus. Yes. Yeah. So, effectively... He's on the back seat of the bus. Yeah. Well, we have, like, in the bus, so there was white, there was white section, coloured section, no man's land. No Man's Land was in between the white section and the coloured section. I see. And the, the expectation was that if you're in No Man's Land and more people get on the bus, you stand up so that white people can go to No Man's Land. Okay. Wow. Um, so much for equal, right? Well, what had happened was Rosa Parks is actually sitting in the coloured section, 
to begin with, but as it filled up with white people, the bus driver moved the goalposts back. Mm. And it was at that point that Rosa Parks refused to uh, get up from a seat. Now, we have this theory that Rosa Parks, we had this kind of conception of Rosa Parks that she was this meek, mild lady who wasn't really political at all, but just one day decided that she had had enough. That's not really true because she was um, involved with the NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Coloured Peoples. That's mm-hmm. And that's basically just kind of the black rights advocate group that's around at the time. And so she was heavily involved with the NAACP and she actually wasn't the were they Were they called like the Black Panthers? Different group. Different they, group. Yeah, we're going to come up there. They, they're more prominent in the 60s. Cool, cool, cool. And so the NAACP, Rosa Parks, she's actually also not the first one to in Montgomery to deny the orders. A woman called Claudette Colvin was actually first, but she was a teenager at the time um, and they decided that she, that she wasn't the ideal candidate because... If you're 16, you're more likely to buckle under the pressure. So right. the end of, yep. well, the NAACP so. is very intentional with who's going to be their their person re- being kind of the face of the court case, mm. and they know that it's not stopping here. So she's kind of taken, um, she's arrested, and she's fined. That was the punishment at the time. I can't remember the exact fine. It wasn't much, but it's the principle that really counts. Why are you getting mm. fined for, for 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 that? And basically, what Montgomery what the NAACP um, kind of flirt with the idea of is something called a bus, well, the Montgomery bus boycott. Now, it wasn't them who actually organised it. Another group were the ones who organised the Montgomery bus boycott, the Montgomery Improvement Association. So MIA, MIA. MIA. Mm. easy one to remember. Yeah. And basically their job is to try and link up rides for everyone who needs a ride to work so that they don't catch the bus because okay. you kind of cut off the revenue of the bus of the buses. You make them all of a sudden not profitable to run. If only 10 mm. people are getting on the bus, that bus is now no longer profitable to drive. Squeeze them. Yes. And so there was these huge walk to work campaigns. Um, and basically the MIA would kind of, their job was to keep morale high and keep people kind of willing to walk to work. It could take an hour and a half to walk to your office job. Mm. And the MIA's job was to keep morale high and keep people up for the fight. And also- Morale's important. And yeah, Yeah. because they're going to keep this up for a year. And also at the same time, if you need a lift to work, how can you kind of tee people up for lifts? And this is actually where a lot of white people were recruited to be drivers for African-Americans. So white people that were sympathetic to the cause. I see. Now, there was a fight as to who would be the leader of Mia. It's probably strange to remember there's, there's actually a lot of internal politics in a lot of these organizations because they're political. And Edgar Nixon and a guy called Rufus Lewis. Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> we love... Actually, you don't like Rufus Humphrey, do you? You're not, you're not a Rufus fan. I'm not a Team Rufus guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know who's he. He's not against anyone. I'm not like on anyone else's team, but... Yeah, maybe his character isn't as well uh, developed as what it could be. Mm. I'm only halfway through season two, so Rufus, <laughs> I think, is still quite... He's still somewhat likable. Quite endearing. Point. Yeah, he just mm. just wants what's best for his children. This is Rufus in Gossip Girl, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> for those. We thought it was self-evident. <laughs> yeah. We hold this truth We know that there's... <laughs> was the mouse in Kim Possible what, called Rufus? 
I don't know. <laughs> Rufus in pop culture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> Not a question that I knew that I needed answering, but okay. I certainly do. I've got you. I got Are you. you correct? <laughs> yeah. Rufus is a fictional character in the American animated television series, King Possible, 2002 what? to 2007. Wow. Um, I'm trying. Good oh, Possible he's a naked knowledge. mole rat. Oh. Mm. Well, <laughs> Edgar Nixon and Rufus Lewis, they are kind of... Uh, they're at loggerheads as to who would be the leader. So both of them actually pulled out of the running for leadership and Martin Luther King became the leader of the Montgomery Improvement Association. Mm. Interestingly, Martin Luther King finds out he doesn't expect to be the leader. It's when they're kind of holding their convention, it's either going to be Rufus Lewis or Edgar Nixon who's giving the speech. Martin Luther King finds out on the drive over that he's the leader and he's got to give a speech. Now, I don't know how your impromptu speeches <laughs> <laughs> went in primary school. Yeah, she was. I, I remember. Didn't even get to that stage. No, <laughs> I remember actually, I mean, this could be a topic for another day, but I remember being so, I think I'd made it through, but I was so worried about doing the impromptu speeches. I was like, no, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go through the next round because impromptu speeches were so scary to me. Um, yeah. So big up smart. We were just worried, <laughs> worried they would give you a topic that you would say something yeah, that I just didn't... Get, get cancelled in year four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so cats are better than dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like... I, I actually remember someone giving a speech why girls are better than boys. Um, if I gave up and gave a speech why boys are better than girls, <laughs> in this day and age, you know, it just wouldn't fly. Um, but, yeah. So, so big ups Martin Luther for um, his... For, for being not, able to cope with that Not to be confused with Martin Luther King Martin Luther King <laughs> uh, Yeah, sorry He's just Martin Luther Common for, mistake for, for short Do you know actually Do you know how he got the name? No No, I don't So Martin Luther King's dad Actually went to Germany When he was younger And from a kind of Christian pastor family mm. Looked at kind of Martin Luther's rebellion Against the Catholic Church And basically took inspiration from that And called his son Martin Luther King Wow. So is his surname just King? Yes. And his, his first name is... I think he was actually Michael King, sorry. Not Matthew King. He was Michael King as a as a, as a, as a junior. Yeah. So Martin Luther King, he's got like a, if I'm not mistaken, about a 15-minute drive to give a half-hour speech. Oh. And so this is, yeah, it's not your two minutes <laughs> no, yeah, in front of Mrs. Oh. Manahan. It's, yes. Yeah, damn. It was, it was a good speech that he gave. Yeah. And so, again, Big being... Being a, yeah, being a pastor. Have you seen the whole speech? I have, and it's a good speech. Yeah. But it, there's a you can find it on YouTube. It's not you can't see video. It's just audio. Um, but yeah, being a, being a, a Christian pastor, he draws a lot of parallels between the Isra- the Israelites in, under Egyptian slavery and the African American community in America, and kind of draws parallels to them entering the promised land. That parallel is actually his final speech that he gives in Memphis. And he, he kind of does that parallel once again, but he makes it clear we're a Christian organization and we are here for the advancement of all peoples and we want to be considered equal to white Americans. At that point, Martin Luther King is quite milquetoast and not extremely controversial. What does milquetoast mean? Vanilla. Right. 
Yeah. And so it's like nothing radical. No, there's nothing too radical about what he's saying. It's radical for the time. Yeah. But we don't look back now as that being a particularly radical thing. Yeah. By the end of the 60s, and that's looking like it's going to be next week's episode based on how we're doing for time right now, which stay tuned for. The, the, the second half of the civil rights movement is even more action-packed than the first half. He gets more, Martin Luther King gets a lot more radical. Right. And no one, like a lot of people today don't remember Martin Luther King's last five years where he actually says, like, he, he says stuff that's quite heavily socialist and he says stuff that's really anti-Vietnam War and that's actually wiped from the record. But we'll, right. we'll come on to that next week. Yeah. Martin Luther King, he gives his speech to the Montgomery Improvement Association and the MIA kind of keeps the boycott on for a year. After a year, they kind of, again, have this legal court case running at the same time in the Alabama Supreme Court and the Alabama Supreme Court rules that it is not constitutional to segregate buses. And so they institute desegregation for buses in the state of Alabama. Huge win for the civil rights movement. Mm. And this skyrockets Martin Luther King to be the face of the movement because he's the charismatic, handsome young man giving speeches and being the face of the movement. And he becomes the spokesperson for the entire civil rights movement. He is Dr. Martin Luther King. Wow. Put some, doctor. Put some respect on the name. What's what? his PhD in? Uh, well, good question. I think it's something to do with theology. I think his I think his dissertation was in theology. Cool. There you go. But he went to Boston University. It has since been Harvard. very much discovered that he plagiarized his entire dissertation. Wow. Who do you copy? I don't know. Some Chat GPT. Yes. <laughs> and Boston University did not remove his doctorate. Because it would be, again, like imagine yeah, the a public... Bit on, a bit on the nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the public uproar of probably the greatest hero of the 20th century in the eyes of America taking away his doctorate because yeah. he, he plagiarized. But he, he did plagiarize. Uh, another thing you might know about Martin Luther King was he repeatedly cheated on his wife. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The bright lights got to him. Yeah. No. Yeah, I did. I have heard that. Yeah. So the CIA were basically, um, the FBI had a record of, because FBI wants to maintain the status quo. They don't want any uproar in America. And so they're actually quite keen to kind of suppress Martin Luther King as much as possible. Mm. They actually blackmail Martin Luther King with the affairs against him. And they're like, look, we've got evidence of you doing this. Um, And effectively the end game was they wanted to pressure Martin Luther King into killing himself. Crikey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how intense it is. Now, we've also got to remember in the 60s, extra. this was pre-sexual revolution, though yeah, it doesn't make yeah. it any more right, extramarital affairs were more normal. Again, you've got JFK doing the I same see. thing yeah. and people wouldn't bat their eyes as much with an affair as what they would when it came on to Bill Clinton in the 90s, for example. But it was true. Martin Luther King did repeatedly cheat on his wife. And so that, again, I think it helpfully humanises the the mm. person who he is. Mm. I don't think it's helpful to put people on pedestals and make them out to be superhuman and have a superhuman myth around them. Um, if anything, it makes what happens in the 50s and the 60s more inspiring because it's a broken human with flaws as everyone else is flawed making, yeah, mm. taking action. And mm. I don't think it actually does anyone a service to, to lionise a person 
to be greater than human. We'll talk about two more events very briefly and then we'll call it a day and we'll we'll look at the 60s next week. Okay. In the 1950s, we there's Little Rock. So we call them the Little Rock Nine. So mm. schools are desegregated. Yeah. And there's nine uh, African-American students who are basically hounded and heckled by parents as they come into class. And basically, like, it's a lot of, like, I, I cringe when people use this word, but it is the most accurate word to describe. It's a lot of Karens standing at the door of the, of, of the high school, standing at the gates of the high schools, abusing these African-American children as they come in. And Damn. eventually the whole community actually starts to turn against them as well. And it gets like, it's pretty intense. This is in Arkansas. The governor of Arkansas, Orville Forbes, he actually puts his support behind the parents. Mm, and the, the PNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the issue eventually gets resolved when Dwight Eisenhower sends the army in to clear them out. Mayhem. Mayhem. The army actually escort these African-Americans through the school to make sure that they're safe in the school. So imagine going from math to science and you've just got two soldiers either side of you. Imagine going to the bathroom, (laughs) (laughs) chucking a number two, you've got a soldier outside (laughs) the cubicle door. I'm just picturing like just them standing in the middle of the urinal, just either side. (laughs) (laughs) You would never risk shaking that person. (laughs) So it's... Like that, that is mayhem. And that is probably the first time the president has come in out and out on the side of integration. Previously, Eisenhower's stance was it's a state's right issue. Mm. I personally detest segregation, but we've gone to war over what states can and can't do. I am not going to divide the country by telling the states and mandating the states and taking away their sovereignty. But okay. Little Rock Nine forces his hand. Yeah. And he sends the army in to kind of clear out Orville Forbes's National Guard, who Forbes had sent in. The last one that we'll touch on are the Freedom Rides. So put, who put through, if um, the governor was so against them going into high school, then how, how did they get into the school in the first place? They didn't for a little while. They couldn't go to school. So okay. initially... Who, who put that like sort of, okay... You're now going to go to school. Well, it was off the back of Brown v. Board of Education. Schools were desegregated. Okay. So legally- that wasn't a nationwide thing, was it? No, it was, yeah. Brown v. Board of Education was nationwide. You you cannot segregate schools because uh, separate but equal has been overturned. Okay. So there's no legal- you, You have no legal framework to appeal to if you want to segregate your school. And theoretically, it was supposed to end desegregation. Oh, it was supposed to end segregation everywhere, but it didn't because okay. you obviously you've got the Montgomery buses and, and all that sort of thing. Okay. Following yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we got one more that we'll look at today, which is the Freedom Rides. Did you cover that one at all in high school? It rings a bell. Yeah. Because there was the Australian Freedom Rides. That could be the bell that it's ringing. Um, yeah. I can't quite remember. Because were they a similar time? The Australian one was inspired by the yeah the what was going on in the US exactly. Um, so they're not like they're almost two sides of the same coin in in some they're just in different countries. But yeah, I'm sure we touched on them. So effectively, the end game of the Freedom Rides was to was to take buses 
through states that had heavy segregation laws, uh, yes. violate segregation laws, be physically Just, attacked because they're violating those segregation yeah. laws, mm. and then have those attacks photographed and captured to show the rest of to show everyone else yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Effectively, I'm trying to bait people into, into beating them up. Yeah. And so, like, this could be its own podcast in itself. I'll go through the Cliff Notes version today. So they kind of they kind of travel travel south and they get extreme resistance in Alabama. Mm. So um, in Birmingham, basically they kind of the Freedom Riders get beaten up. We have the bus that gets actually uh, Molotov cocktailed and, and blown to pieces, and morale is very low at that point because it's like we signed up to be beaten. But we were not expecting this degree of resistance. You have people shooting at the buses. You're going to get killed. Yeah, exactly. They go to Montgomery. Who's in Montgomery? Rosa. Rosa. And? Is is Martin there? Yeah, Martin's still there. Mm. So Martin Luther King's pastor of a church in in Montgomery. Yeah. And so they go to Martin Luther King's church and they're trying to rope Martin Luther King into doing the freedom rides. I see. And they're like if we get you as the poster boy, this is going to go viral and there's going to be so much pressure on these states to desegregate. Martin Luther King says no. Mm. He was like, thanks, but no thanks. Look, you're welcome to stay here. You're welcome visitors in our church. And what happens is actually in Martin Luther King's church, an angry mob surrounds it. And Robert Kennedy, who's JFK's brother-in-law and the attorney general. So chief lawyer, not the district attorney. Yeah. As well. oh, okay. Here we go again. <laughs> Robert Kennedy calls martial law and the army comes in and they clear out the crowd outside Martin Luther King's church. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a lot of resistance. They then go further westward and they go to other states like Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi. They get A lot of them end up getting jailed in Mississippi and what happens is other people travel in, particularly uni students, to replace those who were jailed. And the Freedom Rides actually grows in number mm. as people come in. And this is kind of getting broadcast around the world. And the international pressure is starting to grow. Because yeah. people in the UK are seeing this and they're like, this is horrendous. And other governments are now starting to put pressure on JFK to take stronger action against it. Robert Kennedy's stance the whole time has been desegregation is bad, but we don't want to put excess pressure on the states. Sorry, segregation is bad, right? Not oh, sorry, did I say... Desegregation Yes, sorry, segregation is bad, yes. Yeah, yeah. And eventually what happens is, just like with Little Rock Nine, Robert Kennedy's hand gets forced, and he actually declares that, uh, basically, firstly, that segregation is, is, is illegal, but secondly because he doesn't have power over the states, the one thing he does have power over is a federal executive body called the ICC. Not to be confused with the cricket ICC, <laughs> not to be confused with the conference center. Okay. It stands- those, those were the first two. Yes. <laughs> it stands for the Interstate Commerce Commission. Basically, buses that travel between states, if that makes sense. Because those buses aren't the property of any state, in any individual state, yeah. they're federal property. And so on those buses, you cannot segregate at all. And because it was declared illegal by the ICC, every other kind of transport industry followed suit. Mm-hmm. So the Montgomery bus boycotts were fairly effective and that had a pretty big flow on effect. Um, kind of the hammer blow to segregation on transport was dealt when the ICC said, 
no segregation on the buses. And the Kennedys gave an executive order from up top that the ICC can't have any people um, be segregated on the bus by by their race or by by any irrelevant metric, apart from if you get bus sick, which is very much a relevant metric, <laughs> as Jake has. Step to the front. <laughs> Makes a difference. It does. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to call the story for today. We will come back to it next week where we look at I Have a Dream, where we look at the era of assassinations, where we look at the introduction of Malcolm X and where we look at the Black Panthers. Okay. And this- Bit of Vietnam War stuff. Yeah, Vietnam War stuff. The 60s is where it gets really intense. So we've only just covered the start of the 60s when we looked at the the Freedom Rides in 61. Yep. It's about to get really intense as we move towards the mid 60s and it gets a whole lot lot more radical. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have the Black Power Movement, we have the Black Separatist Movement, and it changes the story a lot. And this is the part of the Civil Rights Movement that's forgotten about. Okay. So, make sure to come back next week. Wow, what a cliffhanger. It feels like the end of the Spider-Man movie we just watched. (laughs) Is that a spoiler? I don't know, maybe. No, the spoiler being that... It's, it's essentially just two movies in one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, one mo- it's, yeah, half yeah. Of, yeah, like, it's half of a movie, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, like Fast 11, whatever. <laughs> fa- isn't Fast 10, in, fast in, 10. In, in half? Surely not. I think it is, I okay. think. <laughs> okay. Fast 10 yeah, and a half. I don't we're, talking, <laughs> um, we're talking great cinema. Fast 10 has to be in half. <laughs> have, you see, have you seen um, the movie 42? I have not. It's a good movie. It's about uh, yeah, Chadwick yeah, Boseman plays uh jackie robinson who's the first uh african-american to play in the major league baseball ah. league mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just after the second world war i so there's a bit of yeah yeah we should do a patreon viewing on topic on topic yeah yeah, yeah. we like that We've and come, remember the Titans as well. We've come, we come I can't believe how full circle we've come. We started with Spider-Man. So we went Spider-Man, Fast 10, content, Spider-Man, Fast 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, let's see what happens next yeah. time. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.